This is the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem podcast. I'm Trisha Clark, your host, cooking coach, and kitchen mentor. We're here to talk about all things food, wine, travel, cocktails, and mealtime memories. So many memories are made around the table. We all know mealtime can be stressful, full of chaos and mayhem, but it's also the universal connector, a catalyst for communication and connection, and a time to create magic and memories. So many of our memories are tied to food, and I can't wait to share some of those stories with you here. I'm here to share ideas, inspiration, and stories to help you experience mealtime with a dash of magic and just a sprinkle of mayhem. You can expect new episodes weekly, including a mixture of interviews, personal stories, and some fun conversations about our adventures and misadventures in the kitchen and around the table. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to try something new in your kitchen or around your table to create more connection with your friends, family, and beyond. Thanks for being here. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem podcast, where we love to talk about all things food, simplifying mealtime. But one of my very favorites is talking about all the things that are food and wine and I'm super excited to welcome this creative soul onto the podcast today, Joanna Barbola. She is the epitome of a creative from what I have learned so far, and she's got an unsurpassed knowledge in the wine industry, teaching, tutoring, corporate admin, creative writing, art, and design, and a recently self-published author. We're going to talk a lot about her book today, but it's an entertainingly sassy wine and art book, and with suggestions on food pairings, flavors, grape varietals. All these things that get me all excited and lit up to talk about. So, Joanna, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here, Tricia. So I love to start every interview with a fun question that I think just lets you get to know people in a different way sometimes rather than the mundane, how is it where you live? And, you know, I love to mix up the conversation. So I carry these little cards with me everywhere. And people hear about them on all the podcasts at some point. They're probably going to get tired of hearing about it. But these are my table talk this cards. And they're just so much fun. So your question today is, if you had to compete in an eating contest, what food would you choose to consume? So, of course, my first love is wine. But my second love is chocolate. And the way wine and chocolate go together is just another whole out of this world feeling. But I would have to say chocolate. And there's just so many different kinds of chocolates that I love. Light chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate, chocolate with nuts. Yeah, so I would absolutely have to say chocolate. Okay, that's a great choice. And you can always wash the chocolate down with wine. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so random question, not really related to the questions that I wanted to ask you, but because your answer was chocolate, do you have a favorite brand of chocolate, like a go-to that like when you um, see to have it? Yeah, Ghirardelli. Ghirardelli, mm. I love. I love the chocolates. I used to make homemade fudge and I used to use Ghirardelli chocolates. So yeah, oh. that's that's a favorites. good one and easy to find, right? Like it's very easy to find. Everybody, everybody stocks it. I always get excited when I'm traveling and I find those small chocolatiers that combine the art and the cooking and with all the flavors in the chocolate where you see those that are infused with wine or scotch and they look like they've been hand painted on top. Mm -hmm. 
I, I'm a sucker for it. I come home with a box of like 24 truffles every time and they're never inexpensive, but I don't care. I have to have them. And I'm always picking out the flavors that I feel like my husband's going to love and my son's going to love, or my best friend's going to love. Like it, it brings back all of that connection that we talk about between food and wine, right? So like mm-hmm. wine does that and chocolate and food and gets yeah, just chocolate and so much fun to do all of those things. Yeah. There's so much you can do with it. All right. So you've had a diverse and exciting career journey ranging from corporate administration to creative arting and art. How did your passion for wine and art come together to inspire this book, Divulge to Vino? Yeah. So I've always, always been interested in art. From a young age, I would always go to museums. I was always fascinated by abstract art. Kosa was always one of my favorite artists, and I just really, really loved it. And I even went to FIT in New York City just to feel that creative vibe, although I wasn't doing any kind of artistic courses at ITIC Marketing Communications, but I just kind of wanted that whole creative vibe to be around me, and I really didn't start painting until a little later in life. I really started in my early, early 40s was when I started painting and it was kind of like something I just stumbled upon. I mean, I spent so much time in museums and so much time gallery hopping and going down to Chelsea and Soho and doing all the gallery tours and everything. And I just got so inspired. I really did. And I started very first time I took a paint and sip class back in New York. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, which led to another paint and sip class, which led to taking courses, taking our courses at an art league, luckily when I was on vacation from work. And then I got so involved in it because I was really, really enjoying it. I ended up setting up an easel in the side of my apartment, you know, in the back part of the living room by the window and made a little section for me with all my paints and all my books for inspiration. I just started painting at home and doing all kinds of abstract paintings. And it was very therapeutic for me, really, really therapeutic. And I really enjoyed it. And for me, because I learned so many stress reduction techniques and creative techniques, which just using it as an outlet that I designed an art therapy course that I actually taught to students here in Florida at USF. So not only was I able to turn the art into a business where I sell my paintings and also made home products and accessories featuring my designs, I also constructed and designed an art therapy course. So there's so many benefits, so many benefits from my painting career that started late in life in my 40s. So yeah. (laughs) Well, it's lovely though, when you find that thing, right, that does light you up, those hobbies that are therapeutic, And what I love about a lot of hobbies like art and cooking is it's therapeutic for you, but it also, in a sense, gives back to the world too, right? Absolutely. Um, I I love, no, I'm not a, I say I'm not a great painter. Like I love to play with watercolor when I have something else, a starting point that somebody gives me, I can't draw to save my life, but mixed media, Mm -hmm. scrapbooking, but, mm-hmm. you know, as you talk about abstract art and, and all those different mediums, I have found those in art journaling to be incredibly therapeutic. And I love that it's messy and there's no one way it's supposed to look and nothing is symmetrical in anything that I do when it comes to art. Like that's where it's interesting because 
typically or historically, especially growing up in corporate America, I think a lot of us can become very perfectionist in type A. So to have that outlet mm-hmm. to just let it flow and be messy. Yeah, really absolutely. Powerful. absolutely. Because, and that holds true for me as well, because I was so regimented for so many years and so um, by the book, following the rules, following policy. And then when I started with this painting and this creative side, tapping into my creative side, and I started with the abstract art, I love the fact there was absolutely no rules that I had to follow. It was just whatever I was feeling I was painting. It was just coming, transpiring onto the canvas. And I just loved it. It was just such a freeing of just being able to paint any way I wanna paint, any shapes, any brush strokes, any colors, just no rules whatsoever. I start when I wanna start, I finish when I wanna finish, I change it if I wanna change it, and I'm in the driver's seat. And and it's such a freeing spirit, it really is. It really is, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, I don't like rules anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true, because since I've come to Florida, I have been really getting far, far away from that whole corporate um, environment that I'm so accustomed to, you know? I started with the teaching, the substitute teaching, where I can command a classroom and follow a lesson plan, but follow it and teach it in my own words. So a lot of creativity there. And yeah, so then designing the art therapy class, which was really fun. And I also work with the National Organization for Women, and I handle all their communications and media. So that's giving me another opportunity for me to express myself in my own way. So it's really been fantastic. Hey there, my fellow food lovers. Are you ready for a mealtime transformation? Introducing the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club. For just $37 a month, you get access to monthly workshops, all the replays, connect with fellow women in a vibrant community, access to exclusive events, and build your own personal resource library full of recipes, meal planners, handouts, and more. It's not just about cooking. It's about creating memorable mealtime moments and boosting your kitchen confidence. Check out our website and join the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club today. Oh, yeah, you're getting to play in all these creative pies, right? Exactly. Exactly. So in Devil's Divino, I love that you've brought together wine, art, and culinary experiences. Really all the things that you love. But so often I feel, and this kind of goes back to the rules thing, right? I feel like even within those realms, so often what we're taught is still rule-based. And so even bringing those together, I'm really curious about your creative process behind the unique fusion and what readers can expect from this book. Yeah, so it's really done in a very witty conversational tone. I want the readers to feel like we're together, whether it's together sharing sharing a meal or together sitting on a beach or together in some kind of living room atmosphere. And we're just talking about wine. And I want them to feel comforted and relaxed and able to find something where you really don't need to be a, a sommelier or a wine connoisseur to follow the book. The book is really a great coffee table guide where it introduces different wines 
from all over the world. And the premise of the book is to find a, a nice valued bottle of wine for $25 and under. So, and again, you don't have to have all this kind of knowledge to be able to find all of that out. I did that for you with the research on my book. And it just gives you a chance to kind of open up your mind a little bit and try a wine from South Africa or try a wine from Chile and kind of get a feel for where it, from the flavors of it. And all the wines can be found in local liquor stores. They're not wines that are shipped from Spain or France. Easy to get to, easy to purchase and affordable. And That's you can so really, cool. yeah, you can really learn from different tidbits of information that you'll get in this book. So it also sounds like you're really trying to make that love of wine approachable from something that can often be so incredibly pretentious, which then can make experiencing wines intimidating. Like I hear so many people say, oh, I don't drink wine. I don't like wine. Like I don't know anything about wine, so I don't, I'm not even going to touch it. Exactly. And that's why I created this book. This book came from a wine blog that I started back in New York. I used to run a wine and art networking, business networking, and I had about 250 members. And I used to plan different wine tastings, wine dinners, wine picnics. And I was always talking about wine to everybody. They would call me the wine diva. And I just got so excited about it that I just said, you know what? I think I'm going to start writing about it. I want to research more. I want to learn more. And because I had this networking group, I was invited to a lot of different trade events all throughout New York City. So while I was doing all these trade events, it was such a learning experience for me. And I had all this knowledge. And I said, what am I going to do with all this knowledge? I need to share it. I need to give back and share it with the world. So that's when I started the wine blog. And I was getting a very, very good response from my members. So that's how the wine blog was turned into a paperback. And I did that here in Florida because I really didn't have the time to do it in New York with my corporate career. I personally can't wait to get my hands on a copy of this book and it's going to live on my coffee table. I'm so excited. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I will be sending you a complimentary copy. Thank you so much. Yeah. So you explores the world of specialty wines and you've already mentioned different parts of the globe, but I want to hear more about like the suggestions for food pairings and flavors. Could you share some memorable pairings from the book that our listeners might want to try? Yeah, sure. So in chapter 12, I have a 2012 Orvieto Classico which I call Orvieto Opulence. That's the name of the chapter. And it talks about this beautiful white wine that you can pair with rich, creamy Italian cheeses like Asiago or Cresanza. And it also pairs lovely with dishes that have intense flavors, seafood appetizers, pasta courses, even braised white meats go really well with this wine. And it's light and fluffy and fruity. And this was a go-to wine that I've had a lot of times when I was home and I ordered a pizza or I ordered in somewhere or I was having leftovers or whatever it is. It was always the wine of choice. And then if I just felt like having all my cheeses, all my different selection of cheeses instead of having a meal just having wine and cheese this was my wine so that's a really good one from chapter 12. I love that I was thinking 
as you were talking, that it sounds like it would be fabulous with a great charcuterie board. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another one that I really love was from chapter 16. And this is actually, there are 16 chapters in the paperback. So this is the last chapter. It's a 2012 Pinotage from South Africa. Now, I discovered Pinotage when I was at one of my many um, different trade events that I went to in New York City. And I was floored by this wine. This wine was so fantastic. Comes from South Africa. It's blended on, you can blend it on a beautiful palette with berries and dark chocolate. So here was the wine and chocolate that I was talking about earlier that I like to pair my wines with. This is a great red wine to have with chocolate, dark chocolate. It also pairs really well with grilled and barbecued meats, oozing, richly flavored rubs carefully marinated so this is something that you can really really enjoy with barbecues or you know sunday barbecue or a nice grilled chicken the meats i probably would stick with um a steak a strip steak a chateaubriand you know something really heavy because this really complement the wine the, the food with the wine and, oh, that one sounds lovely. And I've had some Pinotage mm-hmm. that's been absolutely lovely. I do like mm-hmm. a good Pinotage. But as you talk about those flavor profiles, I think of a steak or I think you could even do something like a pork tenderloin, but that's crusted with something like with some chili powder, maybe some coffee mm-hmm. ground, you know, either either mm-hmm. like espresso, ground espresso or some, yeah. some cocoa in that rub and really yes. out those flavors because Pork tenderloin is a lighter cut of meat, but you can really richen it up with that seasoning and it would be a fabulous pairing with that pinotage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. That really fun. Yeah, yeah. So for those who are passionate about wine and art, but maybe they don't have a lot of experience in either, what advice would you give to help them kind of appreciate and explore to start off with? So really what I would say, if you want to learn more about art... I would go to museums. I would go to lectures at different museums and find out when they're when they're going to do a talk on a different artist or an artist talk. Or if you live in New York, one of the best places to go would be Chelsea and do a gallery tour or Soho and do a gallery tour. Um, I'm in Florida. I hear St. Petersburg has a huge art scene that I am not all too familiar with, but I've heard that it has a huge art scene. Dunedin is another place that has a huge art scene. Just surround yourself with art. See as many different styles, as many different types of art, and kind of figure out what you like and what you don't like, and just expand your mind and just let it flow and soak it all up like a sponge. That would be my suggestion. I'm in the Northwest Arkansas area. So for any of you listening, we don't have a huge art scene, but we do have a pretty famous art museum called Crystal Bridges started by Alice Walton. And it's got a myriad of art, some really classic pieces up to some modern, more modern art, as well as kind of a sculpture garden along the nature trails. We've got a new place called the Momentary that I would say is definitely more contemporary. You know, so if you're visiting the Northwest Arkansas area, you're definitely, there's definitely some cool places to check out as well. So many places in New York, Chicago, Florida. I still haven't been able to hit at the museums in New York City. That's kind of on my bucket list. 
you have to save that for a girl's trip. My husband and I do not have the same eye. I'm not going to say either one of us have an eye for art, but we yeah, share the same taste. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like fun. Sounds like you need a girl's trip to New York. You can do the museums. You could go for some wine tasting. Mm -hmm. There's just so much to do in New York. There is. There is. Oh, while you're there. So on the wine side of that, what are your tips for somebody really kind of just starting out with wine and exploring that world of it? Outside of the sommelier pretentious world of these are the wine rules. How do you recommend people get started with wine? So there's so many rules when it comes to wine. But for me, it's always been like, I know what I like. I know the flavors I like. I know the tastings I like. And I know what I think would go well with something else, you know. So for me, like, for instance, I have a favorite Italian wine on Yannico, which is a very earth-driven dry red wine that comes from the Amalfi Coast area. Beautiful sense of leather, white pepper, black fruits, dried figs, and it's just such a lovely wine that I had the pleasure of having almost every night with dinner when I was touring the Amalfi Coast years ago. Um, so I know this is a favorite of mine, and I know that if I had a wine of choice to go to, this would be it. And because I like steaks, I'm a big meat eater. I would pair it with a steak. I would pair it with a strip steak. I would pair it with lamb. I would even go with some white cheeses, really anything. And of course, desserts. I mean, how could you not have wine with dessert? That's another whole story we could get into. Right. <laughs> you know, start with what you like and then build from there. That's, that's yeah. what I would suggest to people that don't know too much about wines. Find one wine that you like and then build from there. And don't be afraid to try it. And on the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask if you can have a tasting before you order a glass. Sometimes they'll tell you no, but oftentimes wine bars and restaurants will pour you a small taste for you to try because they don't want to waste it either, quite honestly. Yeah, absolutely. They are always willing to let you try. Absolutely. You just have to ask the question. What's the worst they could say, right? Right. So you've mentioned your preference for takeout and dining out, really emphasizing convenience and enjoyment. Do you um, do you seek out new restaurants when you're traveling and try to find the most interesting food you can? Or yeah. do you kind of stick with your tried and true favorites where you're a regular? Well, funny you should ask me that, uh, Tricia, because when I first moved to Florida a little over two years ago, one of the very first things they did was start a, my own meetup group um, called Dinner Guests. And I figured this would be a great way for me to meet new people because I'm new in town and try different restaurants. So I did that for a good, probably a good year and a half, made a lot of friends, tried all different restaurants all around the Tampa area, got great suggestions and was able to navigate my way around the Tampa Bay area. And it was great because it, it really helped on a lot of different channels. It helped me get familiar with the neighborhood. It helped me make new friends. And of course, I was able to be my foodie self and try <laughs> different restaurants and really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love trying new restaurants. And me too. And when we when we travel, like I want to go off the beaten path and not just I don't want to eat where all the tourists eat. I really want to get a flavor for the local food and the local people. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite thing to do is bring that back home. Now, I know I've said you don't love to cook, but I love to cook. And so when I come home, I 
one of the ways I try to recreate those moments is trying to recreate those dishes or some version thereof and maybe turn on some music that reminds me of being there. And it just has this magical way of transporting me back into that moment, even if it's only for a few minutes. And one way where I relive vacations over and over again. Um, and anytime we travel, I love to do a food tour. Like I want to know about all the local mm-hmm. things. There's so many fun things you can do with food to enjoy food, expand your palate, even if you don't love to cook, right? There's so many ways to absolutely fun with it. Absolutely. And there is one thing that I do love to cook. I do make my own homemade sauce. Yes. <laughs> Which is it? Which is a recipe passed down from grandmother to mother to me. So, um, being Italian American, I love my homemade sauce. Yeah, a homemade sauce like there's just nothing like it. There's Where just it? nothing like it. So I'm curious. You said you enjoy uh, cooking that particular sauce. Have you ever enjoyed cooking, or has it just not ever been something that really well, speaks? You know, it's it's interesting you should ask me that question because I spent so many years working in New York City. Um, I would have 11, 12 hour days and I would come home exhausted after being on a train and working all day. I'd come home six, seven o'clock at night and I would be tired. So a lot of the times you would just be like, pick something up on the way home or have some kind of leftovers, order in. It just made it easier for my lifestyle. But now that my lifestyle has changed and I have a much bigger kitchen here in Tampa, I've made a lot of different dishes down here. I've made some nice chicken dishes, some steak dishes, homemade sauce a bunch of times. So yeah, it's nice. It's, it helps when you have a nice big kitchen. It does. <laughs> it does. Well, your story is kind of what inspired my business is helping career women and busy moms simplify mealtime and and break down all those barriers that make it seem so overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, so that's really absolutely. what inspired me, but also to spread this love of experimentation and finding what you personally like and what personally works for you. And it may be that you're listening and you're like, but I don't like to cook and I'm not even interested. And that's okay. As long as you have a process that works for you, but if it's something mm-hmm. you want to change and you want to cook more, then let's have a, let's have a chat, right? That's what my whole business yeah. is about. It's really about making the conversation around food different than what's out there today. The mm-hmm. other thing I'll say about New York is if you're going to be in a place where you can't cook, I mean, New York is the place to be because there's so much fabulous food, so much fabulous food, and it's so accessible everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My last 12 years in New York, I worked in Times Square. So there is everything in Times Square. <laughs> you see the shows, they have Restaurant Row on 47th Street, 46th Street, I think. And it's just so many different types of restaurants and cafes and wine bars. It's just an abundance of opportunity, really is. And especially if you're a foodie speakeasies in new york city too that were oh yeah i mean i love a good wine bar but to find a speakeasy just have a different vibe that's just kind of cool and interesting and again always sparks some inspiration for me because you you gotta get real creative to pull that off successfully (laughs) absolutely absolutely and there is a different vibe you almost feel like you know you're kind of back in time and you're doing something secretive and you don't (laughs) want to get caught and it's Yeah, just put that element of surprise to it. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned your favorite meal, and I am not going to get the pronunciation of your favorite wine, right? I've never had it. 
You're going to have to walk um, through that one again. The An Anyanico? Anyanico, that's Anyanico. it. Anyanico, yes. yes. Your favorite meal is beef carpaccio, cheese tortellini, and tiramisu with espresso. Yes. That's I should nice not be surprised thing. that all of those have an Italian flair. Absolutely. Them. That's my favorite. And there was so many restaurants, not so much here in, in Florida, uh, but there was so many good Italian restaurants on Long Island that I used to go to in New York City also. But most of the time I would go on Long Island because I was home on the weekends and I liked having my car with me rather than living my life by the train schedule. So it was so much more relaxing to go out to dinner when I was back on Long Island. You know, uh, but yeah, there's so many good restaurants in New York. So I love beef carpaccio and we don't have amazing Italian restaurants here in Northwest Arkansas either. But if anybody is turned off by raw beef, beef carpaccio is the way to start. Like it really is fabulous. It's thin light and doesn't give you that mouthfeel you think it's going to. Right. It's a wonderful appetizers. It's light. It's really, really, really good. I really like it when they serve it with arugula too, because it adds just that mm. bit of curry spice to it. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm, so good. Mm -hmm. So in your book, Divulge Divino, you offer readers a taste of your artistic creations as well. Can you share more about where your listeners can find your one-of-a-kind abstract art and maybe a story behind some of your favorite pieces? Yeah, so, well, there's always a story behind my art. No matter what I paint, there's always something going on in my mind while I'm painting it. But I do have an Etsy shop, which you can find a special selection of my paintings under Art Reflections Design. I have a Threadless shop where you can find my home products and accessories under Art Reflections Design. And then I have an Instagram account where you can find information on my book as well as my paintings. And that's under Art Reflections Design. If you want to find my book, you can get it under Amazon.com. You just do a search under Divulge Divino. I also have an author's page on Amazon.com. And then you'll find a little more about the book under my Twitter account and my TikTok account under Divulge Divino. So there are many places you can find me. And then if you wanted to connect professionally with me, you could always send me an invite on LinkedIn. Beautiful. And we'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes. But I have another question that just kind of popped into my mind. So uh, as you created this art and you have this history of wine and food, just more, this is more a question about your creative process because I'm genuinely curious. Did you create art with this book in mind or did you already have a collection of art that inspired the food? Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, Yeah, yeah. So I would have to say all of my paintings were pretty much done by the time I finished this book. And I have them all around me here in my apartment, either hanging up on the wall or leaning against the wall. It really does look like a museum in my apartment. So while I was writing each chapter, I would look around and see which paintings I feel spoke to me, the way the wine spoke to me, and just the way that 
the flavors brought out the colors and the grape varietals and the finish, the smooth finish brought out the smooth in the different paintings. So that's kind of how I all, you know, I kind of all brought it all together. Oh, that's, that's really cool to hear about. And again, yeah. kind of brings back that whole, we eat with all of our senses. We absorb art with different senses from texture to visuals to when I think of, of touring the Louvre, like the noises around me, it was more than the art I was looking at. It was also the environment. And so I love that they all kind of inspired you together. And I was just really curious, like, where did the inspiration start? But it's really cool that it was really kind of, I, you knew you wanted to write this book, but kind of a, an immersive and how they seem to speak to you and blend that together. Mm -hmm. I, I think that encourages the rest of us to really lean in and be present in those moments, whether Absolutely. it's regarding food or art or remember to tune into all those senses even at the table, right? That's its own work of art from the food to the connections that you're making to the feeling around that table. That's another Absolutely. Of art. And, and you just soak up that whole experience. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know before we sign off for the day? Absolutely. Well, I would welcome anyone to take a look at my book. It's also available on Kindle, paperback and Kindle version on Amazon.com. And it's a great start if, if you want to learn more about wine or if you want to learn more about food pairings or if you want to just hear a really fun, witty story that a woman is talking to you about and just have some fun. It's a great book to get started with. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joanna. I hope you enjoy you. the rest of your day and we'll talk again soon. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you again. I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mealtime Magic and Mayhem. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go hit that follow button, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're ready to change what mealtime looks like for you, breaking that cycle of chaos and having more fun in the kitchen, build some confidence and discover your love of cooking, schedule your free Dish with Trish call at the link in the show notes. We'll chat a few minutes and you'll walk away with personalized strategies to take your mealtime routine from tired to inspired. See you next time.